Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we wanna say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Alan B., Mark G., and Gordon S. Returning to the show today is John Bay, President, CEO, and Chairman of Standard Uranium, an exploration stage company focused on uranium at their projects in Athabasca Basin. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol STND. John, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for hosting me here. It's great to be on. Well, John, thoughts on the market, COVID, or anything else here? Uh, uh, good, timely question. Well, you can see it's, uh, it's been a, a very busy week. Uh, Cameco made an announcement they're putting their Cigar Lake back online in September should uh, COVID numbers stay where they are. And today, uh, we know because Adaprom made an announcement, um, and we'll see how that impacts the market as well. They're saying they are buying in the spot as well. So it seems to be the first time that I can recall both Cameco and Kazataprom uh, are buying in the spot market. And still the spot market is uh, staying flat. So let's see how the market opens up um, this week and if we see some numbers change. COVID, I'll touch on COVID a bit. Uh, being in Canada and, you know, we I live, our offices are in Vancouver, but our projects are in Saskatchewan. I'm actually in Saskatchewan today as I'm heading up to the project uh, tomorrow. And COVID numbers in Canada are doing very well. Saskatchewan specifically, the numbers are way down. And the government and First Nations groups are giving everyone the green light to move forward. Hence, uh, Cameco's position on moving forward this week as well. Yeah, certainly kudos to Canada and Australia. They've uh, made COVID look easy. And, of course, a lot of egg on the face there in the U.S. Well, let's move on here. Let's talk standard uranium. Certainly interesting market conditions as you highlighted a few key areas of what's going on. But recent news at Standard Uranium, you guys have staked some more exploration grounds, uh, North Athabasca, and also you've got a drill program starting very soon at Davidson River. Comments? Sure, thank you. Yeah, I would have to say, you know, our flagship is the Davidson River project, and I'll talk more about that as we get going. But our geologist, Neil McCallum, has also been staking additional claims in the northeast side of the basin and the uh, full north side of the basin adjacent to the current claims we have there. Those projects are going to be uh, something we're going to look at in the in near future, but right now all focus and all spending is going to be on the Davidson River claims. And the drill program, as I slightly mentioned, we're heading up there tomorrow and we'll have the drills turning in the next couple of days. And I'm happy to walk you through that program uh, with further questions and tell you all about what we're planning to do there. Well, let's uh, focus in for just a moment on and maybe you can expand a little bit on Davidson River, um, a couple questions, but the warrior zone, why has that attracted your focus? Well, I'm glad you, uh, you bring that up. So we spent the last two years doing uh, geophysics, geotechnical work to sort of identify our drill programs. That started off with, um, you know, VTEM work followed by ZTEM work. Really, we really wanted to identify, uh, you know, are there conductors in our, in our region where we, we should be drilling? And on those conductors, are we looking at areas where there may be breaks or offsets or wrenching or folds and cross-cutting structures? So the VTEM and the ZTEM really identified all that. And I will uh, alert your, your readers, our, our VP of Exploration, Neil McCallum, just did a, 
a 1.5 hour um, in-depth technical analysis of our drill program, which you can find on YouTube if you look up uh, standard uranium and the drill program. It really digs into the specifics, but that uh, those those, those uh, geophysics we did really identified the warrior zone, as you mentioned. And if you were to look on, on our slide deck, we have uh, a slide there that really targets uh, and shows the warrior zone and why we're going after that region. It's uh, the section we're going after is about two kilometers in strike length, and it has uh, all the things that make it exciting for us to, to want to drill that region in the warrior zone. And what are the next exploration steps there, John, as far as the focus of the program that's starting right now? And walk us into 2021, assuming that there is success with this current drill program. Sure. So let's go back in time a few months here. So our, our plans for, for 2020 were... We wanted to complete our, our public listing. We did that in May. Then we wanted to do a capital raise. We went to the market and we had an exceptional response. We raised a 4.5 million. We were looking for 3 million and 4.5 million was offered to us. So we put that down and the next phase was to begin the drill program. So we, we aimed to get that going in uh, Q3 and we're right on track now. We start drilling this week and we're gonna do a 5,000 meter drill program at the Davidson River uh, project. Those 5,000 meters we anticipate will be between 15 to 17 holes. We're looking for uh, you know, uranium fertile uh, corridors to confirm there's uranium mineralization on our project. We're gonna do uh, some fencing, some sort of three hole fencing, poking in, in different directions. Uh, and we're looking, uh, to, you know, usually if, if we don't make a discovery, we wanna get great clues as to, to what we're gonna help us make our next drill program. And looking ahead to 2021, our goals are you know, to have some success with this drill program come back to the market if the market's happy for us to continue drilling and start a winter drill program in uh, probably February of 2021. Yeah, that sounds good, John. And, and let's talk just briefly, let's open back up to Davidson River claims in general. Can you just speak to the history of Davidson River? And can you also talk about the prior lawsuit involving those claims? Sure, sure. Let me uh, go back in time here. So the region in the Athabasca Basin, it was really thought of that, you know, most of the discoveries that were, you were going to find uranium was found either on the northeastern side or on the northern side. Nobody really thought there was uranium in the southwest corner. Uh, come around 20, up until 2012, you know, the Saskatchewan government had sort of a, a region that was out of bounds for drilling for uranium. It was saved for oil reserves because the Athabasca oil sands are right beside that in the Alberta border. But then uh, in that year of 2012, um, Garrett Ainsworth, uh, made a discovery of radioactive boulders right on the Saskatchewan side, just outside of the basin. And the Saskatchewan government said, you know what, we should open this up to uranium exploration. So they removed that ban and people start exploring. Uh, Garrett's company was Alpha Minerals at the time, and they made a discovery in, with the JV, with, with fission uranium. They made the triple R discovery. Now, at that time, uh, the government also removed, um, they changed the, the rules from online, sorry, from mineral, from hand staking to actually online staking. So exploration companies could then sit on their laptop and do all the staking. So there was a huge land rush in that southwest corner. Our project, the Davidson River project, was staked by a, a prospector by the name of Jody DeRouge. He runs a company in Edmonton called DeRouge Geologic. Interesting, at the time, he was also a director of Fission Uranium, and he became the president of Fission Uranium. Now, he offered that Davidson River project to Fission. The CEO, Dev, there said, uh, no, thank you. We've got our own discovery. We're going to focus on that. So as time went on, a couple of years later, um, you know, Jody decided to retire from Fission and stepped away. And then Fission said, we want that project back. And they sued Jody for the Davidson River project. And it was actually tied up in courts for three years. Not a single piece of work could be done on it while it was in courts. And at that same time, you know, Fission continued to expand the Triple R 
Uh, NextGen came along and made their Aero Discovery, PeerPoint made their, their um, Spitfire Discovery. All that was happening while the Davidson River was out of bounds. It couldn't be touched. Fast forward, the lawsuit ends. Jody DeRouge wins it 100% in his favor. Um, he offers it to NextGen, and the VP of Exploration at that time was Garrett Ainsworth. Garrett wanted it, but the CEO said, no thanks, we're going to focus on proving out our aero discovery. So the project came to us, and we locked it up, and we basically built our company around the Davidson River project. And that was at the end of 2017, and we spent the last two years doing the geophysical work, getting us ready for our inaugural drill program, which we're starting this week. Excellent. I appreciate the background and history on that. Let's move on to capital structure, John. Let's talk where we are with cash now. You've got expenditures coming down the pipe with this program. What do you expect to be cash at the end of this program? So just talk to us about cash here, expenditures to complete, and how far you guys can survive beyond that. Sure. So we currently have got just over $4 million in the bank. We're starting our drill program, which we anticipate is going to run between you know, 1.9 to $2.1 million. So we should have roughly just around $2 million at the completion of this drill program. Uh, that would be more than enough money to keep us going for another 12 months should we not uh, go back to the market and raise money. Uh, we would probably like to go back and do a larger drill program or something of the same size, another $2 million program. So with uh, good success from this first program, we'll probably do um, another capital raise and look at uh, adding a larger drill program in, in the spring and winter of uh, 2021. And talk about the current major shareholders at Standard now, and are there some warrants coming due likely in November and December, correct? That is true. So when the company was started, uh, there were some seed founders that came in and put money in, and they had uh, shares at $0.05 cents and warrants at $0.05. Cents. Those are due to come, come to, uh, they can close those out in December of 2020, and then again, April in 2021. So there'll be $5 million warrants coming available in, in December and another 5 million warrants available in April. On top of that, you know, we have other, um, we've done four capital raises, the, the original one, then we did one in 2018 where we raised um, $800,000. The share price at that raise was 15 cents and 25 cent warrants. And then we did our go public capital raise uh, on those same terms, 15 cents and 25 cent warrants and raised another $800,000. That was in, uh, in early May of this year. And then we just completed our, our last capital raise where we raised 4.5 million. And that was done at that 20 cents with that 30 cent warrant. So, you know, our share price has been trading in the last uh, few weeks between about, uh, you know, 20, 25 to 35 cents. So a lot of all those warrants are in the money right now or have been at some point. So we anticipate we could see a lot of warrants come uh, into the, into our you know bank account. Should we continue to drive this company forward and have a uh, good, good real results. Talk to us just briefly about the seed founders, those warrants that are coming due in December and April. Who owns those, if you can share that? And then also, with current share structure, where are we at as far as who are the major shareholders at this point? Yeah, so of the original three uh, shareholders that came in, uh, only one still remains, and that is um, an individual by the name of Talal Yassin, and he runs a group out of Vancouver. Um, He's got, uh, he owns, I'm trying to think of the numbers here, he would have probably just under 10 million shares, roughly. Uh, on, outside of that, uh, we had a group come in in the last uh, capital raise called Eventus Capital. Uh, they came in for, uh, between them and, and several of the groups they brought in, they probably have got you know, somewhere north of 15 million shares. And then we have uh, some institutional funds that have come in. Uh, Station Cove came in 
in our capital raise in, in 2018. They came in again with our Go Public and again with our recent raise. Um, they don't like us talking about how much they own, but they are a nice shareholder to have along, as well as we have L2 Capital, Marcella Lopez out of Sydney, Australia. They've come in the last two capital raises, as has uh, Tribeca. Uh, Guy Keller out of Tribeca has just come in as well. So we've got those three uranium funds who are um, you know, pretty well known in the uranium space, and it's great to have those on our as our shareholders. And they are you know, very supportive, and it's great having them, having the support of those guys and, and speaking to others around about having them with us. Okay, yeah, very well. And, uh, you know, folks who want to figure out what those percentages are, you can certainly go to CDAR and find out uh, more or less exactly what uh, those some of those funds own. So I encourage you to do some homework on that front. It is available. Well, let's move on here. So let's talk just a little bit more on cap structure and administrative stuff, John. Compensation levels, do you guys expect that will change from 2019 in 2020 and 2021? Or do you guys more or less see that uh, staying where it is based on the size of the company, the stage of the company, and of course, existing cash? Well, we don't have a lot of um, people on the payroll to tell you the truth. We've got a a part-time CFO. Uh, who's, you know, his salary is, you know, 5000 a month, which is fairly reasonable. Uh, myself, I'm the CEO. I have a salary. Uh, it's gone up from uh, the last two years, which was pretty much zero. <laughs> I'm now making uh, uh, a contract for the next uh, 12 months, which is 150000 Canadian dollars. And then we have, a, a you know, consulting geologists who have uh, very low amounts as well. And so it's a very small burn rate. Uh, if you look at us compared to almost any other company, you'll see our, our burn rate is exceptionally low. Excellent. And John, how do you see, you know, you guys have got a, a roster here of, of a couple institutionals. Um, how do you guys see satisfying those institutionals going forward with this expiration program? Um, how are you guys going to juggle their expectations versus what you guys are doing on the ground and the fact that in some cases, uh, discovery can take some time? Well, we're aligned uh, beautifully right now. We I talk to them on a regular basis. Uh, they like exactly what our game plan is going forward. And we continue to speak to them and just keep them updated as to what they're doing. They want us to continue to go after and drill the Davidson River. And that's our plan going forward, as well as acquire uh, additional land through staking and looking at some potential M&A activity as well. What are your thoughts on, uh, just moving into the U.S. for a moment, the actual success of uh, coming out of this U.S. uranium reserve? And if it happens, do you see that it would actually be used by U.S. utilities in this cycle? And if it was used, do you see that it would impact the thesis or sector equities? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really tricky question to answer. There's so many uh, what ifs involved there. I mean, I was really happy to see, you know, Trump come out and make the statement that they were planning to you know, spend 10 million a year and, and buying as much as they can and keeping, you know, made in America type stuff. But, you know, the devil's in the details and so many of those details haven't come out yet and they're working towards that. I know uh, Senator from Wyoming this week was uh, continuing to push some very strong stuff that was getting you know, support on both sides, both the Democrats and the Conservatives. So hoping that does happen. Can it happen right away quickly enough? I'm not sure. Hopefully, uh, when you mention, you know, this cycle, that could be, you know, several years. So hopefully we will see something come out of that. And and the other big thing is a Russian suspension agreement. How is that going to play out? Um, many, many things are playing out there. I do think, you know, Canadian companies that have got assets uh, that, you know, we sell a lot of the uranium to the U.S. and those U.S. companies that are able to produce in this market and sell are going to do are going to do very well. So it is positive. That's for sure. 
it'd be interesting to see what happens there. It's, it, it is notable, but it's not substantially big to, to really change any of the, I guess, core components of the forward thesis for the uranium cycle. Mm-hmm. You mentioned M&A, John. What kind of M&A are you talking about? Is it only in Canada? Are you looking outside of Canada? What do you have? We're looking uh, globally right now, looking at other areas, but I would say we're pr- primarily focused in Canada and the U.S., where we'd like to stay close to home. Um, you know, it's quite difficult to have, you know, our geologists working here and in Africa, for example. So uh, we've got sort of, a, I guess, a mission to sort of stay closer, closer to home and really work on focusing on Davidson and then look at projects that we can add uh, to our portfolio in sort of North America. So that's where we're, our main focus is. You know, as you know, you guys are amongst uh, a lot of uranium stories in the Athabasca Basin. There's a lot up there that's Canadian listed. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the uninformed investor who is saturated with the Athabasca uranium story? And what's your thoughts there on how the investors should approach Athabasca Basin? Well, number one, you know, the Athabasca Basin has the, the highest grade uranium in the world, bar none. The numbers in the Athabasca Basin are staggering compared to the rest of the globe, which is why there's so many companies operating there. And there's still, you know, if you think of the numbers, you know, when we had that last uh, uranium bull run, there were 500 uranium companies globally. There's now probably between 50 and 60. So those numbers are going to start to pick up and you're going to see, you know, dozens, if not many more operate or show up in the Athabasca Basin. We're already starting to see a lot of Australian companies starting to uh, come over and, and, you know, make deals and stake lands and try to do some JVs. So that's already started. So the Athabasca Basin has got, uh, you know, high grade percentage of uh, uranium and it's a fantastic place to be. Now there are, you know, if you look on the TSX or the CSD or multiple other exchanges, you will see, you know, 30 plus companies that are focused on the Athabasca Basin. And I'd say to the novice, I'm not to any investor, you know, there's a lot of information out there. And there's a lot of people on, on Twitter or social media or through CDAR or through other websites. Go on and figure out, you know, what you're looking for. Are you looking for companies that are in production? So right now in Canada, it's just chemical, uh, soon to be back into production. We have a number of stages that are uh, companies that are, you know, development stage. And there are some great ones out there, you know, people can find that out pretty quickly. And then you have the exploration side companies and there's a number of those. So when I tell uh, you know the investors I'm speaking to, you want to look for a company that has home run potential. They've got ground that has potential to have, you know, massive discoveries and, and who's doing that. And there's a lot of people that have been drilling for many, many years and haven't found anything and their share structures have gotten blown way out of whack. And there are a few companies that have got uh, projects that are pretty exciting right now. And those are the ones that are typically getting um, good funding going forward right now. And I think we're, we are one of those companies. John, so we've seen some companies come into the space recently. First, it was, well, I guess to some degree, you, you had companies that were uranium focused and then they switched over to battery metals or whatever mm-hmm. they could get their hands on to try to survive out and and you could say positive and negative things with that type of a strategy but um mm-hmm. recently you know we've had you know standards been out there for a while you guys started that story uh, a couple of years ago we've seen other companies recently pop up both in australia and also in canada you know namely baseload energy is is one that's come up recently mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on these companies that come into the space and how should investors approach 
new companies that are coming into the space as a result of what's happened with uranium. Do you see that it needs to be a project by project, management team by management team basis consideration? Are you concerned about the potential attraction into uranium, even though right now gold, copper, or, and silver are kind of stealing the story? What's your thoughts on new companies that are proclaiming to be uranium explorers coming into the space? You know, it's kind of a mixed thoughts on that. I mean, I, I do like to see, um, you know, uranium um, getting a, just get to shine its light, you know. I know gold and silver are really taking off right now, and uranium is, is really poised, poised for a great uh, second half of this year. So when any companies come in and sort of, uh, you know, add uranium into the, into the story and people start talking about uranium, that's a good thing. Investors who are looking at those companies, they really need to uh, dig into them individually, look at who the management are, what have they done, look at the projects, look at the land they have. Is it moose patch or is it something that's got a potential or are there other um, reasons why that, that project has, has huge potential? And look at who, uh, who are the other shareholders that hold that company. That usually is a pretty telling sign. If there's smart money and smart investors getting behind a company, that's a great time to take a look at them. How about the OTC listing status, John? Can you give us an update on that for you know maybe some U.S. retail that's looking to get in via OTC? Yes, it's a slow process, and we we have begun it, and we're working through it. So I'm I'm guessing, you know, that is something we're going to be seeing probably towards the end of Q3, early Q4. I wish it was faster, but um, you know, COVID had uh, many impacts on us, and that was one of the things that was slowed down due to COVID. So we are, uh, the process has begun. We're going through all the paperwork now, and we're we're working closely with the OTC and uh, the guy we deal with is Chris King out of New York, and we're really looking forward to having that listing and to be able to uh, make it easier for our U.S. Uh, investors to, to trade in and, and invest with us. John, so you've got a market cap near 20 million Canadian as things stand now. Why should investors consider a stake in standard uranium at current price levels? What would you say to a potential investors who are listening? Yeah, so good question. I have been asked that in the last few weeks, you know, oh, we, you were $6 million market cap a, a few months ago. Now you're 20 million. Did I, did I miss my chance to get in and make money? And the answer is no, we are just getting started. I mean, this is a fantastic time to invest with us because our drills are just starting to turn this week. Um, you know, a lot of the investors who've come in have been waiting for this moment. And now, uh, you know, the next silver months going to be really exciting for our company. Um, you know, with some good drills, also share price could really uh, accelerate beyond where we are today. And the market cap could be, you know, it's a great time to invest. How do you deal with juggling the timing of what could potentially be trying to deliver results to shareholders and institutions who have shares now versus trying to also get timing reasonably correct. Of course, in uranium, if you can do that by plus or minus one year, I think you're doing pretty well. Uh, how do you guys approach that when you guys are looking at how you go about your exploration program and being careful not to potentially come up with a discovery, maybe when sentiment isn't the best, or maybe the broad market uh, is, isn't the best, or just capital in general isn't the best, like what we saw briefly in, in the month of March. Um, how do you guys approach that to avoid discovery, which, as you know, in a, in a bad market environment can cap that upside. And we've seen that during bear markets mm -hmm. uh, in the past with, with companies like Fission and NextGen, where you've had their upside capped as a result of discovery, really, in poor market conditions. Yeah, so that's a, that's a very interesting question. So for us, you know, did we time it right? Some say we did, some say we didn't. When we started the company at the end of 2017, and we sort of had a 24-month uh, horizon when we thought the market was going to turn. 
So fast forward to the end of 2019, and it still hadn't really started to move. It was still, I mean, the last two years were very difficult in, a, in the uranium space. Uh, you know, we worked extremely hard to, you know, raise money in 2018 and 2019 and, and drive our exploration program forward to get us to where we are today, the public listing, the raising of the 4.5 million, and now our drill program. And for us, you know, when you make a discovery, you, you're never going to time it perfectly, but you hope um, you, you do it in, a, in an upward bull market. Uh, you mentioned next gen fission. Yes, they made you know they made discoveries in bear markets, but you still look at the appreciation of those share prices. I mean, next gen went from you know less than twenty five cents to almost four dollars over that period. So that's a huge win for those investors. Now, if they would have done that in a you know screaming bull market, it could have been you know exponentially higher. But I think the shareholders are were very happy with that. And same with Fission. You know, they did a quite a substantial uptick. Um, you know, they went from a, a very small company to, you know, to a market cap that was in the hundreds of millions. So they did that in the bull market, in, the, in a bear market. So we are now at the point where I believe, you know, a bull market in uranium is just getting started and we've got the drills turning. So our investors could be make, could, could see us make a discovery and make it in a bull market, which would be spectacular. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on that, John. And how can investors reach out to you and the company for more information? So there's a few ways. I mean, I'm pretty active on Twitter, so they can go on a standard uranium Twitter account and they can, uh, you know, send us messages there, direct message me. They can also go onto our website and they, they can uh, reach out. We have an info at standarduranium.ca. They can ask questions and we respond, you know, within the day usually. And that's probably the best way to do it. We have an IR person who is uh, handles stuff when I'm on the road or out of sight, like I'm going to be at the, the project site for the next week and a half, two weeks, and there's not great uh, cell reception or internet there. So um, if I don't get an immediate response over the next uh, week and a half, it's because I'm at the site and it's uh, tough to respond from there. Well, John, really appreciate you sharing more information and an update on uh, Standard Uranium and really looking forward to having you come back on as you guys continue to deliver results and good luck over at Standard. Thank you very much. It's really great to be on your show and uh, be able to share our story. I also advise uh, your listeners, you know, look for us on, on social media. You can find uh, videos we're putting out on a regular basis, our company updates. I'm going to be taking a lot of pictures and videos from our drill program and putting those out. And we like to give out, you know, weekly or quarterly updates to our shareholders as well. So watch for us on YouTube, on Twitter, and uh, follow Standard Uranium. Great time to, to invest with us.